0: In name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O heavenly King, O Comforter, the Spirit of truth, who art in all places and fillest all things, treasury of good things, giver of life, come and dwell in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious Lord. Amen. O Lord, show us the light of thy countenance and we shall be made whole. Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So past couple of weeks, the first week I gave an assignment to everybody to have a little prayerful consideration. We did the same thing last week to keep considering and looking to see how the Lord might illumine in our lives our despondency, the ways that we are spiritually asleep, Where We find our suffering that's in us or the the lack that is in us that needs to be made more full, reaching out to things other than God to fill them, which is causing our spiritual slumber and that break in our relationship with him where we don't experience him in those divine moments of our lives, okay? So I just want to start again just like I did last week as we continue to look into ourselves and let the Lord show us what we're reaching out to other than him to try to numb us from our pain or try to fill what we lack, they might have some new discoveries that they'd like to share. Because, And please remember this. When we share some things, it really helps other people look further into their own lives and recognize some things in their lives. So does anybody have anything that they just like to share about something they discovered that they're reaching out to other than God in their lives that the Lord helped them see that they didn't see before? Not all at once. I've only got two ears. <laughs> yes. So just
1: a focus on respondency. Now, when I'm under this last week at work, I, I got angry that a client hadn't done something like this. I thought, okay, let it go. You know, think about it. It's about the good. Let this be an opportunity to. Work,
0: work, Very good. You see how small the things can be, and they get us riled up in the moments. Don't get me wrong; they don't seem small in the moments, but they distract our souls. And that, and we start seeing. It's really when we get upset, like when you get upset, it's only us that are suffering, and we're tw- we're twirling that we're swirling down, right, in lesser than what God wants to experience. God wants us to experience in our lives. Thank you. Very good. Anybody else notice anything? Okay.
1: Please. Live with the phone. Lines up in my ears. It's stressed. I think that's part of this picture. The other day I was <laughs> looking at the icon, trying to use my eyes to pray. As a part of what birds use eyes and birds.
2: Virtual vision picked up flag, green flag.
1: And Something inside of me said, Take a look and see what that is. You
2: know, and,
1: and I really have to battle with this. This kind of little little thing like this, if I give into that, then I'm distracted. i am broken con- concentration in the prayers. And then it's every little thing like, Is that icon straight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Order, you and know, you need to turn it off now. And then the whole gamut of things, and suddenly the concentration of the prayers and using the eyes is all in. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, you know, I think the fathers call that the spiritual illness of squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> right? We try to focus. No, seriously. But then we see some of the distractions and off our soul goes. No, it's true. Yeah, very good. Thank you for sharing that. Sharon? I was cooking the other day. I really
2: love to do, but I was listening to the news and the talking yet on the radio. And it was just pressing on me. Oh, everything's going crazy in the world. And it was distressing me. And I thought, no, we are going to stop us. I'm thinking about what you said. I put on ancient faith reading. Nice. Music, and the music, I didn't want music. I wanted talk. So I put on the talk version of that game. And there the fathers were going through the offices. In fact, they were doing you know, one of the offices at the time. And it just put me right there. Mm. And I just kept listening on it. And everything just got better. Got just put me in a really nice place. So got my focus back on here. It needed to be as a joy of what was before me and not worrying about all these things in the
0: world that I, I have to control. Right. That's very good. You know, I think so much of overcoming our despondency and letting Christ wake us up, Remember we talked about taking thoughts captive. Again, thoughts are not sin. Thoughts are thoughts. Now it can lead us to sin for sure. They can lead us into despondency. But as part of taking thoughts captive, what Sharon was describing, what she was doing, is managing the inputs. What's coming in here? What am I allowing into my into my ears, but really into my soul? And it has everything we allow in. There is not a neutral. It's all doing something, and we can sense if we are a people of even slight prayer. We are. A, we, we get the sense of the Holy Spirit showing us this is not helping you. And we begin to and we change our inputs, and all of a sudden you started filling it with things greater than all of this, and something changed in your experience. See? Managing the inputs is a very important part of our overcoming despondency by following the leading of how those inputs are affecting us with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't hear Father, he was saying, go back to the garden, because again, what we've been saying, Satan is not creative. He's redundant. And Father was saying that in the garden, it was a matter of inputs. Did God really say that? Satan says, and then Satan starts giving his own input. If you do this, you'll become like him like he wants you to. So the inputs are critical. Very good. Any others?
1: This I did, I I, I struggle. That. And part of why it's a huge struggle is because I get so locked in on it, and I've, in order to do it correctly, I need to say all the prayers and all of this. Um, there are just times where I am so drained from the day, or like, that I just, I end up choosing to not pray. Because I can't do it all, I don't feel like I can do it all, so instead of just bringing something, say even a quicker prayer, just something small that just genuinely communicates where I'm at with God, I can say nothing, and instead I just go to bed. Yeah. Ever since, I've started kind of changing that, I'm thinking, let me just bring what I've got and just keep it at that, and let God take care of the rest, and then... One, my own kind of self-regulation goes away, yeah. uh, but then also my connection with God grows, and I develop more of that rhythm. See, I'm regularly doing something,
0: and see, for some people like you struggle with, and i have hit—I've had this hit times in my life. <clears throat> if the focus of prayer, if we get deceived into thinking the focus is on the substance rather than the fellowship, that's where we get sucked away into everything has to be perfect to be able to be with God which is exactly what Satan wants us to think, because things are never perfect, therefore we will never be with God. Right? So we get beyond not, and I'm not saying that the liturgical prayers, that substance of liturgical prayers, they are Holy Spirit-inspired, given to us. I'm not talking about that. But it's the way we're looking at it. If we, and looking at it as that great invitation, would you just come and sit with me? I want to be with you. You know? Things change. That's a good recognition of a deception that's been coming into you that's tweaking at your own particular personality of you and humanity. Good. Very good. Any others? Yeah. Yeah. I'll
1: make you a new, this is a member my mind I didn't have talking about find a pretty good project everything going on in the world and he's feeling overwhelmed. the world. He as I've been down, did I take a step back? Uh, yes. <laughs>
0: Saint Sophroni. That's it. I saw that recently, and that is golden. Say, say that louder again so that everybody can hear that. You're, you're close enough. You're good. He okay. was talking about Saint Sophroni. He was talking about feeling overwhelmed by going on in the world
1: and seeing what all had.
0: I guess just being overwhelmed instead the edge of the precipice and look down and then take a step back and make Yeah. Breathe. Very good. Good. Okay, so please as we continue through this series, <clears throat> I hope it helps you to better let the Holy Spirit illumine in you these things. To show you the ways that, that our souls are being distracted. The ways that we're crying out to things other than God and we never saw them before. Because remember what we said in the very first class. When we are in a state of spiritual slumber, we don't know that we're in a state of spiritual slumber. We have to have the illumination of Christ, which simply means this. We're giving him permission to shine the light. And we are actively saying, "Show me, show me these things." Then all of a sudden, he will do so because he's so faithful to because he's been wanting to heal you of it all along, and bring you to himself. So keep that exploration going. We're going to start the class like this for people to have an opportunity to share because we all can see. Even in things that I heard, I see myself, and I see things I didn't see about myself. You know, we need to hear this through one another. It speaks to all of us. So. Last week, I shared for you what I had found and discovered when I did my week long taking a good look back at how things have been recently. And I shared with you how I was enjoying such an incredibly blessed season in the rhythm of the kingdom of God that was granting me such wonderful experiences with Christ, not only in the regular prayerful rhythm, but all throughout my life from Lent all the way until the end of July. And then all of a sudden, I had that great back pain hit me. It's not that I didn't experience different forms of suffering and hardships from Lent to July, but for some reason, the intensity of the back pain that I went through caused me to reach out to anything other than God to deal with that back pain. And that started an avalanche, so to speak, of spiraling down into just numbing behaviors just to get through the hardship. And that had an experience, and uh, that had an impact on my experience of life until just recently in the last couple of weeks. Now, a number of you either emailed or I was talking to you in conversations when I had meetings with you last week, and you emailed me basically what amounted to two questions: "Father, what, tell me more about the rhythm that you were in that gave you that, that, that blessed experience that you were talking about? And tell me a little bit more about how, what, what did that experience look like during that time period from Lent to the end of July? And then I also had some people email questions, not only that, but, and when you took your eyes off of God and got distracted, what was your experience of life like? And so what I want to answer those questions as for pretty much half, if not the better part of this class, so that you can see what we're talking about, and also that it may further illumine in you things that you've either experienced in the past with God, and you can grasp hold of those and get back to those things, or you can also see the negative impact from being silly like I was and choosing so many other things other than God to, to soothe what I was going through. Okay? And so, let's, I want to address those. First question was, what was the rhythm? that I was engaging during that time from Lent all the way to the end of July. And I want to start by saying this, and and in a way you're going to look and say, well, thank you, Captain Obvious, but it's true. And it will always be true that the rhythm that caused such a blessed experience in my life throughout many of the days of, of my life during that time period it begins with the very it began with the very rhythm that our Lord Jesus Christ gave wisdom to his church to have in the rhythm of the kingdom of God and it was the rhythm established of prayer and worship. It all begins there. And the first part of it begins, you know, we have corporate and we have our individual times. But on the corporate side, that means for me it began with the disciplines of prayer and worship that begin with our corporate services of that, which is Vespers, Matins, and then divine liturgy. Remember, all of this is our Lord inviting him, just like the disciples who went up with him up the mountain to be with him where he illuminated them. This is his invitation in the corporate sense. And it is the entirety of it, not just matins, or not just divine liturgy. The rhythm that the Lord gave his church to experience him corporately is Vespers, which prepares our hearts and leads us into Matins, which further prepares our hearts and brings us to the experience of Christ that opens our hearts to the divine liturgy and the experience that we have with God in that. And so I was doing that as normal, and not just because I have to, because I'm the priest but I was engaging it as your priest and as a person in need of healing. I was engaging Vespers as prayer, as time with God. I was engaging Matins as not the thing we do before divine liturgy, but I was engaging it as the very prayers from my soul that are to be prayed to bring me into the experience of Christ and then on through divine liturgy. So it starts with that, but then it spins off when we go into the world and into our regular lives, and then we have the prescribed spiritual disciplines that lend lend themselves to the experience of God and fellowship on a daily basis, which is Christ giving us the hours of prayer. Morning, noon, evening, compline, right before bed. This is a rhythm Christ has given his church, not to give you something to do in a time period but to give you touch points of fellowship with him throughout the critical stages of the day that you live and experience life in a fallen world. And as part of those prayer times, in morning and evening, attending, I was also attending to the scriptures. Because that's not part of just reading, it is part of our prayer, and it's part of our divine experience of the Lord our God. And not just reading scriptures because they're on the internet list of this is what I have to read while I pray morning prayer and evening prayer. But reading them as though God just might be speaking to me. He just might want to share something about himself that he wants me to take into myself that is something for my life and my salvation, or maybe it's for something that will end up being helpful when I meet with you, the parishioner, two days later, and he spoke it to me through Scripture a few days before. In other words, Scripture reading as part of the prayer life of the church in the rhythm Christ has prescribed is an event of experience. I can experience God in hearing him speak to me. These are his words. You see? Now, I want to say something very quickly, lest you think I'm way better than I am, because I'm not. While I say I engage that rhythm from Lent all the way through the end of July, I promise you I didn't do it perfectly. There were times I would miss a prayer hour. There might be a day where I don't read the scriptures in the evening prayer, and I'm not saying that so that you let yourselves off the hook of what is the most good thing for you. I'm saying that because what I want you to see is that even though the effort was imperfect, I was engaging it. And how many times have you heard me say that if we give God an inch, he takes a mile. If we will just move towards him, he will rush towards us. We give a little, he gives a grand amount. You see? So I don't want you to think I was perfect, but but what I was doing, I was desiring him. And I was trying. And I was moving towards him because I wanted and I needed to be with him. Everybody understand that? So it all starts. And we'll always go back. Where do we go back if we've fallen off the wagon and we've gone into despondency? We go back to the basics we start there. We go back to the rhythm Christ has established in the kingdom of God for his children and for his citizens. Okay? Okay. So that was one part of the rhythm. And again, it wasn't being done. And I always have to guard this in myself. I wasn't doing the rhythm to check off the boxes saying I was doing the rhythm. There was something in my heart that at least had the mustard seed of faith of knowing that if I just simply do what he has shared with me to do, that perhaps I can experience him in some way. And I wanted to experience him in some way. Okay? Father? Okay.
1: Get a rhythm started, and it's easy to begin it. Usually, very easy once we get into the pattern. But then, the time will come when that pattern will be tried in some way for all of us. And the real struggle of maintaining the rhythm, or even learning the rhythm, is when we maintain it. When we struggle to maintain it throughout the desolation here. That's a given. That's a moment. All Christian traditions have that three stage. I recognize those three stages. Mm-hmm. So it's not just orthodoxy. Very good. Then, okay. So we need to know that the rhythm is important. When we get to that second level, we need to do our best to, to keep that rhythm going and work against the new rhythm that's trying to impose itself on us. Don't, you don't have time for this. you don't feel like this. You didn't do anything any good. Look where you are and you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Very good.
1: Find something
0: else. Watch the, golf, the
2: golf is
1: out your watch the flag. Watch the flag.
0: <laughs> Straighten the icons. <laughs> right. Very good. Very good. So, <clears throat> that is where the rhythm began. That is not where the rhythm continued. It ended, I should say. And this is really what, looking back, I can, I can just kind of share the testimony of because remember what the fathers have said. You've heard me say this before. The liturgical prayers that we pray are the beginning of prayer, not the end of prayer. Okay? Okay. And everything that I shared with you just now about the rhythm that God gave, that's the foundational rhythm of the Christian in the kingdom of God, that brings us to the enjoyment of God, the services, the hours of prayer. In a teaching a few years ago here in this class, but also every year with the inquirers and catechumens, when I teach about prayer, I gave you this example of when the fathers say the liturgical prayer is the beginning, not the end of prayer. And I told you to think of prayer like the liturgical prayers as the trellis of a, in a garden. Remember, what a, everybody knows what a trellis is. Some of you may not have been here when I taught that. The trellis is that wooden structure, right? It usually looks like a big tic-tac-toe board, right? But it's a big trellis in the garden. And the trellis is put there so that the life of the vine and the plant life can just flourish all over it, entangling itself all through that trellis. And so when we pray the liturgical prayers, they are the structure, they are the trellis on which the vine of our fellowship with God can be experienced. So when I'm praying, again, the liturgical prayer for my children, I'm also stopping there for a moment to offer to them the needs I see that they have. I'm conversing, or maybe I'm asking God for wisdom on how to help my child. And then, you know what part of the liturgical prayers with this dance of the rhythm of fellowship is, is to be quiet and listen. You might just get an answer. You might just get the wisdom in the mind of Christ over something. But you understand the concept that The liturgical prayers are the trellis that are necessary for us to pray the will of God, to keep us in the banks of the will of God, and also they are prayers that are the will of God, always. Okay, But yet on that we dance in fellowship. I have to tell you, I want you to see the prescribed even rhythm of the church, vespers, matins, divine liturgy, the hours of prayer as the trellis on which our entire lives can begin begin to be enveloped in great fellowship with the living God. Because what I want to share with you, people were asking me, what was your experience like because of that rhythm that was such a blessing to you? And I want to share that with you. As I was engaging the rhythm Christ gave the church that we just spoke about, it was spilling over into the moments of my life in the in-between times. Because my discipline had grown by his grace and by his help, my encounters with him were becoming beautiful. My mind stayed on him far more in the moments in between than when I wasn't engaging the structural rhythm. Does that make sense? Doesn't matter what I was doing in the in-between time. How many of you remember I, I mentioned a book my brother Lawrence, called The Practice of the Presence of God. He was a monastic, a Roman Catholic monastic. And one of the things that he had discovered, he was saying exactly what I was experiencing, that from all of those, the rhythm that Christ has established in his church, all of a sudden our hearts and our souls begin to be awakened to God in the midst of the most mundane activities of our lives. For him, it was in the washing of the pots and pans in the monastery which was his job after dinner all the cleanup and yet he was having these beautiful moments and his mind was still, he found himself with his mind still fixed on god and therefore his soul was being more elevated because he was aware of the presence of god in his life you need to hear this there's not one second god is not present with in your life not one second god is not present with you God being present is not the problem. Our hearts being enlivened and awakened and open to acknowledge that reality and to experience it, that's where we need the help of the structure. And so the structure being in place, all of this was spilling over into some of the most mundane things. okay? And I want to share with you, There, were, I can look back and I can point to some very practical blessings that come from the reality of God being in far more of the moments of our life than not that happened to me. Now, for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. But I will share for, with you some of those blessings that I was experiencing in the in-between time. Okay? And the first is this, that during that time period, my perspective on all things was much different and it was much clearer. All the stuff going on, I don't care whether it's all the stuff that was going on all around us in the world today, the stuff, that the, 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 the uh, uh, tornado that occasionally spins around a priest that's going on that we have to see and know and walk through and come alongside people and so on, or if it's things going on in my home, in my family, or even with myself. I had a much clearer perspective, and I was far more staid because I had a much clearer perspective. I'm telling you something right now. You gain Christ's perspective as he shares your, his mind with you over circumstances, and your circumstances go from this to this. They do. Because when we see his perspective, it's like that story I tell always and I will forever tell. It's one of my favorites. And that's Peter walking on the water. The storm he was in, he and the disciples were in anxiousness, anxiousness over their life, scared for their life in those moments. And the presence of Christ comes, walking what? Above the circumstance. Calmly. And he invites Peter to come out when Peter's eyes were were focused on his Lord. By the way, the word of God that made Peter and the water and the wind. What happened to Peter? When Peter's eyes were fixed on him and he knew God was present with him, he was lifted up above the circumstances, his heart was calmed, and he saw things from the perspective Christ was seeing them above them. You see? And I'll always bring us back to that. So that's one of the things, it was a great blessing no matter what was going on. I was far more staid, far more clear, which was much more helpful not only to me, but anybody else around me, okay? Second is this. During that time, I had a greater experience of the beautiful joy that's promised for the one who lives and dwells in and with Christ. And joy is not that giddy happiness in the absence of suffering that is not joy. Joy is far more profound than that. Joy is, like I even said in the sermon today from what St. Jerome said, when our souls are lifted to God and we behold this much of him, it is the awe of God, it is the wonder of God that lifts our soul and there is great elation in a person who, when we're beholding these things. Every one of you have experienced that from time to time. But that's what the Lord wants to share with us always. His aim is to reveal himself in such a way that we're filled with joy over who he is. And when we see who he is, we begin to understand ourselves all more clearly. And there's joy that comes from that. So I experienced that. And again, I already mentioned the fact that I was experiencing our Lord My mind was on him more in some of the most mundane things, but I'm going to share with you another one. And it shouldn't surprise us. It's hard to describe without a testimony. So I'm going to share with you a specific testimony, but I found this in many ways of my life. But during that time period, I was experiencing the joy of God's nature being expressed even in and through me. Let me help you understand what what I'm saying there. I'm going to give you just one example. So one of the ways that I have enjoyed God in my life and been very touched by him throughout this life is through music. In fact, this morning, I was greatly touched by God. Numerous masses, I'm greatly touched by God. When I'm active doing something at the altar, choir, I say this to you and I say it again and again, I experience the very real ministry of a choir in the Orthodox Church because the whole purpose of the Orthodox Choir is to be the voices of the angels that lift the souls of man before God to experience him. But music has always been a vehicle by which God gives me the wondrous experiences of him. And I have been a musician since I was a kid and have always loved that aspect and, and that expression. And it, it's still a very important and therapeutic, even prayerful activity that I do in my life when I sit down at the piano or I sing a little bit, Psalms and things like that to the Lord. It's something very profound. What I want to share with you is that from Lent through Late July, when I was in that blessed rhythm, there was an unexplainable increase in creativity. I experienced a greater creativity when I would sit down just to be with God and a little bit of music. And I, I was writing more things that were just coming. It was basically my soul just kind of pouring itself out in those, in those times. And whether it was instrumental pieces or writing lyric pieces that were prayerful uh, expressions of my own soul to God. And it wasn't for anybody else. It was just for my time with God, just extended prayer, extended fellowship, but the creativity was greater. And why should that surprise us? What were we designed for? That by time with God, we grow in the nature of God. Is God's nature creative? There is none more creative than the Lord our God. And so, in that way, during that time, what was he doing? sharing his nature of creativity with me, even in the way that I was expressing myself back to him. And what I'm trying to tell you is this, there there is no greater joy than when the nature of God not only is, is seen by us, but is experienced through us. One of the greatest joys of my life is when somebody else receives the mercy of God by something I do as a ministry to them. It's all God. I'm just the vessel in the moment and I get to watch it unfold and there's no greater joy than this. But in that time, when I was in that rhythm and it was spilling over to the moments, these are the types of things and far more. You will experience things that I won't experience and I need to hear from you because I need to know God as he's revealed himself to you. The body of Christ needs the common revelation of God that comes by our being with him, our becoming like him, and his nature spilling over through us as we participate in his divine nature to one another. That is what it means to be the ecclesia, the church, the expression of God, our salvation. Okay. In fact, there is in the Eastern Rite, there's an akathist hymn of thanksgiving that speaks to this very thing and it's beautiful. It says this. An acathist, by the way, is a prayer service. It's just a prayer service of thanksgiving, okay? The breath of thy Holy Spirit inspireth artists, poets, and scientists. This is an old hymn. I mean, this is an old acathist, by the way. The breath of the Holy Spirit inspireth artists, poets, and scientists, the power of the supreme, of thy supreme knowledge maketh prophets and interpreters of thy laws. Who revealeth the depths of thy creative wisdom? Their works speaketh unwittingly of thee. How great art thou in thy creation. How great art thou in man. You see this? This is what our Lord desires. To manifest himself to us, through us, and it grants us joy and thanksgiving. You see? Now, some people asked me this question. Okay, so the back pain hit, and you started straightening the icons and looking at the flag, right, Father? (laughs) You started doing all these other things, and you got off track, and you got out of that rhythm. What was the experience? That's much faster and easier to talk about. Just take everything I told you and stick the car in reverse for three weeks. My mind was tired. I was far less clear on things. It was much more work to get clear on things, which made me even more tired. Fears. I experienced fears rather than stability. One of my main fears is Lord, is this back situation permanent? Lord, is this going to impact my ministry, my ability to minister long term? You got all the thoughts that come flooding in because you don't know what the situation is. Right? And in pain, I started reaching out to all these other things just to numb and get through that brought zero healing, but more importantly, numbed my joy. And that's the most thing I want to kick myself for because I know what I was experiencing. And look how easily I got distracted over a bit of pain. But it numbed my joy, it robbed me of those moments, <clears throat> those moments with God. And the troubles around me in my home, in my own soul, and in the parish, and in the world seemed a hundred times more amplified than when they were, than when I was keeping the rhythm. Does this, by the way, sound like, does anybody echo this experience? When we are in greater fellowship with God, we start seeing some of these blessings. And when we get coaxed into the actions of despondency that lull our souls to sleep, We start seeing that lesser existence experienced. I say that because I want you to continue examining with those two focuses. We need to see because there's things we're still asleep that haven't been illumined yet in our lives that we need to see so that we can be awakened and grow in the greater experience of God. Let me remind you of what I shared the first week for Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, and then we're going to close with just a brief introduction to what we'll cover next week. In Metropolitan Anthony Bloom's beginning to pray, speaking of how we deal with our time, what are we doing? Where are we focusing? Remember what he said, learn to master time, and you will be able, whatever you do in the stress, in the storm, in tragedy or simplicity or simply in the confusion in which we continuously live, to be still, immovable in the present, face to face with the Lord. This is what we're after. But what does mastering time mean? It means taking the blessed prescriptions. You know, sometimes just beginning to do is enough. Because when we begin to do, it opens the door to an experience that if we didn't do, we wouldn't have. So sometimes we just simply do. Because Christ is inviting us in time in the moments of our life to avail ourselves to that presence that he has with us. And that will spill over into the moments of our life. And this goes to where we're heading in our next session and that is to understand and come to a greater understanding of the Christian definition and understanding of time itself, which is very, very big in the theology of the Orthodox Church. When we see what time is and God's activity in time as a gift to us, it changes everything. But I want to introduce just a couple of concepts in the last five minutes that we have. Dr. Rokas in Time and Despondency, the book that we're using as our framework, She actually quotes a line from that same Akathist hymn of thanksgiving that I shared with you that verse from. And it says this, Glory to thee who cures afflictions and emptiness with the healing flow of time. say that again. Glory to thee who cures affliction and emptiness with the healing flow of time. Time, even right now in the fallenness of time where it's finite, which was not before in, in paradise, even in this finite time, time is a merciful gift of God to each one of us, a gift at, <clears throat> in and by which God heals us, and he fills moments with himself in real time for us. But time will only lend itself to the experience of God and his healing work if our hearts are open to his presence in the moments. Again, everything in our salvation is dependent on relationship. Not a God who forces, but a God who offers and invites. And then we either say yes or no in the moments of our lives. You remove God from the moments of time, and time becomes wasteful at best, harmful at worst. Harmful at worst. Now, in order to see the truth of time as God has revealed it through his church, one of the things we're going to have to do, and again, we'll get into this more next week, is we're going to have to unlearn the deceptions that have come into us regarding time, and there are many. There are many, and we will I think we'll see them. We're gonna have to uh, have revealed for us those lies that have been written in us so that we can comprehend the beauty and the mercy and the gift that time is to us from God. And let's consider just a few ways I wanna leave you with to look at in your own lives as far as our false understandings of time, the deceptions. Number one is this there is an undercurrent in almost every one of us that is believing that we always have more of it. That we always have more time, always more time. Absolutely one of the greatest satanic deceptions that is in the life of every Christian. Now, tell, let me ask you this. If we have in our disposition the fact that I will always have another moment, what does that naturally lend itself to in our lives? Oh, I love it. Boom. The atom bomb of the vices. Right? Thank God. That's exactly right. Oh, same thing. Good. Yeah. Go ahead. Somebody said procrastination, right? You've heard me say before, I've decided I'm going to stop procrastinating tomorrow. Right? Again, there's the tomorrow. I have another day, I have another moment. Yes, slothfulness, despondency, procrastination. But if you really want to get down to it, the most dastardly thing that really is the root of all of that is that it removes God from that moment in our life. That's what it does. Secondly, we see time, whether we vocalize it this way or not, we can see time sometimes and blame it for for the decay of everything. Look how bad our country has gotten over what? Time. Um, look at our pain. You know, we, time grants moments where we experience pain. Um, our mortality. We blame time for our mortality. We look at the finite and we see this in a negative twist when it's one of the greatest gifts to us. And because of this, time, if we're not careful, becomes something hideous. We try to avoid the moments because if we deal with the moments and our wrong view of time, we're going to have despair. So we're afraid to look at the moments, and yet God is in each one of them. In fact, you know the ancient philosophers. This was their philosophy over time: that time now is negative. Time is negative. Even Doctor Rokas in "Time and Despondency," she summed really well, summed up really well Plato's writing referring to time in this way. Here's how she summed up his writing. Time is a grim reality. Therefore, eternity has to be something other than time. It has to be different. Eternity must be completely devoid of time because time is so inferior to eternity because all it does is cause our decay, make room for our suffering, and ultimately destroy us. It kills us. It, ruins. it destroys buildings and people. See? And that was the view of time. But again, when we start viewing time like this, we need to make the connections in our life. Maybe perhaps this is a little bit where our depressions, our anxieties, um, our hopelessness and despair is coming from. Because again, that same deception does the same as the first. It removes us from a heart open to God in real time. In real time. And finally, to the church who has received wisdom from Christ and his Holy Spirit, both um, of these thoughts regarding time, the ones I just mentioned to you, they're totally foreign to the truths God has revealed to the church about time and God's activity in time. And next week, we're going to look at is God's view of time. It is a merciful gift of God, wherein our souls are saved in time. We will see that we're always called to see time as fleeting with no promise of another moment, not out of despair of mortality, but it pushes us to the God in the moment so that we can experience him. And you know, the early fathers say this, when a Christian is young, he fears death. But if he lives in Christ all of his days, he begins to anticipate it. That same Christian is always mindful of his mortality, and that's what's keeping him in God. Okay. Time and eternity are not separate things. The kingdom of God has come. Time for the Christian is both time now and time then. And then just never ends. And that's how the church has seen time. And finally, the gift of time, should we allow God to fill it in our lives, produces the opposite of decay and the opposite of suffering and lack of. And death, it's life giving. So, again, the words from that Akathis prayer of thanksgiving, and we'll move on next week in this. Glory to thee who cures afflictions and emptiness with the healing flow of time. May God bring us back into moments with him so he may do so. Let's stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven